come back to the Make It A Great Day movement. Our focus is on making suicide a thing of the past. We are here on a mission. What are we on a mission to do? Hmm. Oh, make suicide a thing of the past. Actually, what we are is on a mission to help you talk about it to help you realize that there's nothing wrong with the discussion, there's something wrong with not having the discussion. So without further ado, I wanna talk to you and introduce you to somebody really special. And she's going to share with you and take us on a journey. Cause when she told me this story, I was like, oh, I love that story. I want you to help people understand what a difference they make. So we're gonna stick with that. Here we go. It is Shelly Roxanne. There's something about her that I want you all to know that she's had some turbulent times. She has understands the journey and she's going to help you understand the journey. And she has popped in over here. So we're going to, without further ado, stop the sharing and then introduce you. Yay, there you are. <laughs> I love that necklace. Hi there. Thank you. Hi, Jackie. Yay. Hi, everybody. So Shelly, yay. Yeah. All right, what's the best thing that's happened to you so far today? Being here, Jack, <laughs> I, no, I seriously am so honored. You have a panel of incredible people. And the, the beauty is that this, you know, with suicide prevention, it's not a one size fits all. Mm. And so all of your speakers are bringing their own perspective. I was enjoying Anil, and I can't wait to hear everyone else. But you know, it's a it's a different perspective, and you know, I'm going to bring that as well. So it's it's beautiful because someone will hear something that will change it all for them, that will make that shift. So I'm excited about your summit. It's exciting. We're gonna have you bring us into your world. Because okay. there's always a story. Yes. There's always a story. You you were you were not born who you are right now. Yeah. So so just give us the intro to you, okay? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I was five years old, and it was my first speaking engagement, oh. if you will. It was unpaid, unfortunately. <laughs> and and it was it was at church it was easter sunday and it was my turn to give my speech this is the big speech and they gave me three words that i had to say because it's children's day every easter at the church and so it was my turn to go so they put me up on the stage and I stand there with my little patent leather shoes and lace socks and my bonnet. And they said, okay, you're on. And I stood there with wide eyes, looking out at this expectant crowd of people who were expecting greatness from me. And they began, because of my silence, to call me out. Come on, Shelly Roxanne, you can do it, girl, come on. And I stood there and I froze. And I looked at my daddy who was stage right and I ran over and I grabbed his leg and I hid behind it where it was safe and I didn't come out. And for the next 30 
five years. I metaphorically hid <laughs> behind my daddy's leg where it was safe. And I took opportunities that I would shine, yes, but not playing full out. I played it small. Yes, I did very well. And for many people, they said, what, you had an incredible life up to that point. Yes, for most, but not for me. I had calls. I called them, we're called to, to do big things. And I didn't answer those calls. I was answering someone else's calls. Until one day in October 2005, I get a call and the people say to me, we think you would be incredible with your own show. And I was thinking, television, finally, okay. And they said, we were thinking radio. And I said, radio? But I don't even listen to radio. Who would listen to me? You can't see me. All this would be wasted on radio. And I thought to myself as I contemplated another call that came, and I said, you know what? They have Oprah. They don't need me. Oprah's doing big things. Oprah has a voice. She's out there helping people. They don't need her. They don't need me because they have her. And so I sat at my computer on October 2005, and I thought October 20, 25th to be exact, 2005, and I sat and I said, okay, I'm ready to type the thanks but no thanks, I'm going to stay here behind my daddy's leg where it's safe type letter. Ah. And I turn on the computer, and Jackie, across the screen flashes, civil rights icon Rosa Parks dead at the age of 92. Ooh. Well, I cried. I cried for hours sitting there at that computer, frozen in space. Why, yes, it was sad that a icon like Rosa Parks had passed on. Yes, it was sad because I did have the opportunity to meet Rosa in my life. Oh. And she was an inspiration, but it was more because it was at that moment that I felt that Rosa was passing me the baton, saying, Shelly, it is your turn. Change the world. Stop playing small. Stop hiding out. Show up in a bigger way. And that was the defining moment for me. At that moment, I decided to take the opportunity and therefore, the very next day, the Shelley Roxanne Show Optimistic Radio was born. And the show was an immediate success in a New York market. It was huge and wonderful. And I felt good. But it wasn't until about four months into the show, I, unbeknownst to me, I'm on the air, and unbeknownst to me, a man who had, was distraught with his life. He lost his children. His wife left him. He lost his job. His family had forsaken him. He felt there was no reason to live. Mm -hmm. And this man drove to the Tappan Zee Bridge. Anyone who's familiar with New York knows that that's a famous bridge in New York. 
And he drove there with the intent to jump off of the bridge. And as he reached the bridge, he gets out of his car and he stands there and is leaning on the car door with the window open. And he is contemplating his whole life and all of the things that have happened to him. And he's ready to jump. And at that moment, he hears a voice on the radio. Guess who it was? It was the Shelly Roxanne show that was on the radio. And he heard me say, it's not what it looks like. Nobody puts baby in a corner. The best is yet to come. And he dropped to his knees and wept. And when he came to himself, he jumped in the car and he turned the car around on that bridge and drove straight, straight to the studio. And he asked them, please, I need to see her. And they said, well, she's on the air. He says, but I have to tell her she saved my life. She talked me off the bridge. So they come and they whisper to me and they tell me a little bit. And I say, bring him in. So we brought him into the studio and literally did an intervention and saved this man's life that day. And Jackie, I tell you, it, it brings me to tears every time I think about it, because had I not answered the call on my life, it would not have saved his life. I was so worried about who would listen to me, a small town girl from upstate New York, who's going to listen to me? They have Oprah, but guess what? They weren't listening to Oprah. He wasn't listening to Oprah that day. He was listening to me. And it taught me that we each have people who are assigned to us, even if it's just our family or a coworker or one person, one life that we can save by answering the call. So ever since that day, I've been committed to answering the call on my life because you never know whose life that you could save. Because that day, two lives were saved, his and mine. That's a beautiful, beautiful understanding of the story. Shelley, thank you so much for sharing that because the value of simply answering the call. Yeah. You lived that it's not what it looks like. Exactly. Because radio looked like the wrong platform for you because Absolutely. all of this would have been. Right, right, right. <laughs> I do love that. I mean, that's like, this is the Shelly Roxanne move. You know? Hello. hello. <laughs> all of this would have been wasted. Wasted. But all of that would have been a distraction for that man. He Correct. Just hear your voice. Correct. Correct. So sometimes we yeah. don't, I mean, we, it's true. We really, all the time, we don't know who's listening. No, we don't. I'm never going to know how many people listen to my show, whether yeah. it's the radio show, the podcast, whether it's one of the summits, whether it's an interview like this. Yes. We're never going to know. Yeah. And the beauty, though, is that it doesn't matter how many. Mm -hmm. It can only be the mm -hmm. one. 
Oh, yeah. That's the thing. We get caught up in the numbers. Oh, you know, and, and you know from broadcast that, you know, it's all about the ratings and all about how many. And I learned that day, it doesn't matter how many. Because that one life, someone's father, someone's son, someone's husband, a person was saved. I was forever changed by that knowing that my voice and me answering the call when it didn't make sense. We sometimes have to follow that nudging. We have to follow that internal thing. Yeah. I'll pull you back because I want the one thing to stand out. Here's the one thing. Yes. The one thing is that the life you saved was your own. Yes. And that's the only life we have control over. Absolutely. This is an important piece of the conversation. Um, We have a growing number of people who have been left behind by someone that they care about. Yes. That's the gentlest way to say that they're grieving. We are all grieving something, but I'm, my story is a little different. My daughter survived. Yes. We are not here to save other people. That is a benefit of saving ourselves, of Of our calling. It's a side effect, people. If you get into this because it's about other people, you're missing the point. Yes. Rosa Parks did not do what she did to free people to be able to sit wherever they wanted to. She did it because she was too tired and in too much pain to give up her seat to somebody who didn't need it. Right. But the the thing about Rosa is that she said it wasn't that my feet hurt. It wasn't that I was tired, physically tired. I was tired of giving in. Mm -hmm. Right. She was tired of giving in. And that's what so many of us get to in our lives, that we just are tired of giving in. And we are pushed and pushed and pushed until we get to the point where it's, are you tired yet? But as you said so perfectly, it really was about me being saved that day on the bridge. It was me being saved. And as they say on an airplane, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You are in no position to help anyone else breathe if you can't breathe. You know, that's the thing. If you can't breathe, if you can't stand up for yourself, how are you going to help somebody else stand up for themselves? If you can't speak up, how are you going to help somebody else speak up? And the answer is we try to make it about other people all the time. And yes, giving is really, really a wonderful thing. It's one of the areas that Anil was talking about, about giving being one of the three Gs. But you got to have something to give. Yes. And the only way you have something to give is to get yourself back in the middle of your own life. Mm-hmm. So what happened after that day for you? Well, wow. I mean, after that day, I had a newfound mission because to show up again from that five-year-old girl who was hiding behind her daddy's leg and still sometimes, if I'm completely honest, she shows up and it's still to this day a challenge to 
call myself and say, come on, Shelly Roxanne, you can do it. Show up for your own life in a bigger way. And it is because of me showing up for my life that gives other people permission to do the same. So I've been, you know, just doing incredible things and have had awesome opportunities. I've had a huge, huge life because I made the decision to show up in a bigger way and to answer the calls that come now. I very rarely say no to a call. Mm. And, and unless I cannot physically do it because I am overbooked, <laughs> otherwise I am showing up. I'm going to show up. And that's one of the beautiful things about you and your spirit is that you do honest to God, you just show up. I mean, you showed up in my life and yeah, we've been on this journey ever since together. Well, I yeah. know it. So, so, so we're doing the Jackie and Shelly show. Welcome. This is the, this is the uh, optimism versus overjoyed. Okay. Cause <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's my next book is, is actually, we just got the title set. So we'll, we'll be talking about that later on, but that's the next book, not the one that's coming out next month, but the one, one, by the way, people, you start writing, it's like becomes an addiction. Okay. So it, it absolutely does. I, I, I agree with you. All right. So what have you been writing lately? Well, I have my number one best-selling book, The Frustrated Believer, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And if I tell you, Jackie, boy, was this book written for such a time as this. There are so many people in the world today who just don't know what to do. So this book, which is my fourth baby, because, you know, I call it, I have three actual babies and then birth this, because I believe that we have these things in our belly. So you are pregnant, and I'm, congratulations on your pregnancy. And uh, when I deliver- That's going to start some rumors that are just not good. <laughs> well, we're, we're talking right about books. Purpose. We're talking about books. We're talking about books. <laughs> it, is, it is a birthing for us. And uh, when I gave birth to this book, I literally wrapped it in a baby blanket, and I had a little baby stroller and put it in the stroller, and I was strolling around. Seriously. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, because, and you can see me doing that. I'm, I'm that silly. But that's how important it was because I knew that this was going to be something. And so I went on a tour, a, a national tour, when we could still, you know, travel. And I was in different bookstores and things. And this one lady, and I have to say, she must have been, you know, 80-year-old little white lady who came running into the store and she's hysterical. I'm standing at the front of the store. She's crying. I need to hug her. I need to hug her. And I said, well, what's, what, what's the, is it okay? She says, I just want you to know that your book helped me so much because her son committed suicide. And she said that the book helped her. The chapters that said nobody puts baby in a corner. The chapter that said everybody 
is plays the fool sometimes. The chapter that says it's not what it looks like. All of these things were a blessing to her and brought light to her. And again, it was like that moment on the bridge because again, I got that feeling, keep going. Because it's one person at a time that I am inspiring. I felt that I traveled all the way to California to the middle of nowhere this bookstore, this Barnes and Noble bookstore was that she ran in. And then there was so much to it because, again, as this country is going through, you know, a, a, a race war, if you would want to call it, I knew it had nothing to do with that. Because I was a little black girl from upstate New York, and here's this older white lady from the sticks in California. And I was able to say something that helped her through one of the most horrific times in her life. I'm telling people not to get caught up in what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. Love covers a multitude of things. And I just decided to love on people. And as a result, I am feeling the love from so many people all over the world. You know, both that statement, the two sides of that statement, I'm just yeah. going to put it out there. We're going to shine a really big light on it. Yes. What you just said was that your focus is on being in this loving state, on being in this loving energy towards other people. Correct. And I'm going to put a word in there. Because of this, you are able to receive love from other people. That's my belief system, okay? That's the world according to Jackie. And yes. so people can argue all they want with me, but this is my world, my perspective. It is because you're willing. Yeah. When you, what you call answer the call, I call being willing. It's the same energy. Yes. We just come from different parts of the world. Sure. You want to talk about an unlikely two-step. We are an unlikely two-step. I love it. The, from the upper ends of, of New York. I'll bet you lived in the same town most of your life. I sure did. I sure did. I sure did. You went to school with the same people, right? Same people. Went to school with the same people. Absolutely. I literally, my father was, uh, you know, we used to tease that he was the president of the area because my father was the mayor. Ah. And so I was, you know, the mayor's daughter. So I would, I could pick up the phone and call the governor. I could pick up the phone and call, you know, uh, a congressman or a senator. And I could pick up the phone, anyone. And so living in that same town with the same people who knew me, I go into a store or anywhere. And it was, and I felt so, again, safe, right? Safe. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until just a few years ago that I decided to run away from home. And I moved to Florida, to South Florida, for my boys to, to go to a private high school out here. And it was the best thing that I ever did, was running away from what was safe. Uh, and, and, and trying something new and exploring something new and reinventing myself. And I'm still in that process. I think we will all be in a process of reinventing every morning. We get new mercies and a new opportunity to reinvent ourselves. 
Nothing is permanent. Well, there is that. Nothing is permanent. And yet we get so attached to the idea that things are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going to kind of go all over the map here. You, your, your whole topic is this thing about optimism, right? Yes. Yeah. So what I was talking about though, with the, the unlikely odd couple, we're going to call the odd optimistic couple. That's <laughs> because while you went to school with the same people and yes. your daddy was the mayor and you knew who you were in that community. Correct. I went to kindergarten on two continents. Oh, wow. my daddy was in the army. Oh, wow. I spent my life always being the new kid in school, usually coming in in the middle of the school year without an idea of who I was in a community. Yeah. Because I didn't have a community. Yeah. Once my parents divorced and we were no longer part of the military community, we were still small towns and new kid on the block. Yeah. So the, the fact that our lives intersected is not, and, and we're both in Florida now, and yet we met to do something in California. I know it. I know. So, so guys, open to the miracle. Yes. This whole show is a miracle. This connection with Shelly Roxanne is a miracle. Open to the miracle. Go where you are called. I'm so glad you answered the call to be here. And oh. as a matter of fact, you get to tell them because I know you got something for them. Of All right. Course. I always come bearing gifts. Of course. Yeah, we all come bearing gifts. So the the beauty of this journey that we're on and our mission to help everyone understand that make it a great day is a decision that yeah. you can make every day. It's a decision that you can bring to any circumstances of your life. And Actually, before you talk about their gift, I want to I want to just say that the gift that led to this whole experience was something that I had labeled myself for a long time and couldn't talk about it. Yeah. So the labels we put on ourselves, my label was mother of a suicidal teen, mother of a suicidal child. That was the label. That was the band-aid that I, and I, it was like, I didn't know how limiting that was for me because I couldn't talk about it at all. It wasn't my story to tell is how I sort of thought about it. And why would I want anybody to know that? You know, I came from a family of you don't air your dirty laundry in public. And in my family, there was not much dirtier. Yeah. than anything that was of this realm. If it started creeping towards any kind of visible vulnerability or instability, we didn't talk about it. Yeah. What I discovered underneath that bandage was that it was hiding a wound of I'm not good enough. That's right. And yeah. it was that healing journey that I had to go on before I could stand up and speak out on this topic, Shelly, your journey is no less dramatic than that. And we ended up, I think, understanding we had a similar wound. Yes. That you most know, of us do. And there's no shame in this game, guys. This is just the human experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what you just said was, was so key because that really 
is what the core of it is, is that feeling of not being good enough. It comes down to self-esteem. Yep. Self-esteem comes down to ego, right? Essentially, that is what it is about. And I was not, in my story, was not feeling good enough to be out there. I thought, you know, they have Oprah. I mean, uh, what kind of a bar to be compared with, you know, that I was comparing myself with. And yet, we, there is no competition in us being who we are. Jackie, you being you, there is no competition. Me being me, there is no competition, not even Oprah competes with Shelly Roxanne being Shelly Roxanne. And that's once we step into that and realize that we are as unique as our fingerprint, as our DNA. There are nearly 8 billion people in the world and no one, not even identical twins, have the exact same DNA, mm -hmm. have the exact same fingerprint. So that is how unique we are. If we knew that, we would value ourselves more and know you are enough. And us both having that common experience, although the actual physical experiences were different, the core was the same. Mm-hmm. The core was the same. All yeah. right. So I'm going, um, I'm going to do two things. One is I love to play games. Okay. okay. So we're going to play a game. All right. I love games. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to address some of the commentary that's coming up in, in the chat, because I think it's an important conversation. Okay. So the first game, actually, here we go. First okay. game. First person to raise their hand is going to get a three-minute peacefulness meditation. How to be peaceful in three minutes or less. And so, there we go. We got Michael. All right. Hey, Michael, you know what else you're going to get? We're going to talk about what you put in the chat box. So, there we go. Fast on the draw. So, Katie's going to make note. Michael, make sure that you um, go ahead and put how you want that delivered to you. Put your email address in the chat, and we'll take care of you. So, this concept of correctness about being positive. This is a uh, really, really an interesting comment that he says, we judge ourselves about having good and bad emotions. And it is about not acknowledging emotions as being valuable, that all of them are valuable. So the commentary here, and I know that you wrote, you wrote a book in here, Michael. We're going to have to talk <laughs> about you being a writer for, for the Make It a Great Day series, because this is a book. <laughs> So I'm not going to read it all, but what I am going to say is that it looks to be really well written. And then he said something about discomfort, that we don't get to have a meaningful life without discomfort. Dis so Michael, this I am going to read. Discomfort is the price, the admission for a meaningful life. Just ask the butterfly. And so there we go. And it's about being able to be there. So. We're going to talk about this because the other thing you said, Michael, that I thought was brilliant was about being there with someone in their own pain. Unconditional acceptance through unconditional love of what they're going through. And that's interesting. So the two, you know, the beginning of your comment was about 
sort of the new political correctness, if you want to call it that, this whole positivity movement. And I got a lot of opinion. I know you do too. Yeah. So we're going to take you guys on the difference between being positive and being optimistic. That's a good discussion for us. So thank you, Michael. We'll get there. And the other is absolutely. When you can be uncritically self-accepting of yourself, then you can extend that to others. It's just like what we were talking about a minute ago with love. You've got to have it and be willing to give it out, but you've got to have it before you Correct. Correct. Yeah. So Correct. we're going to talk about some ways people could start having more optimism. Go for it, Shelly. Bring us on. Well, first of all, Michael must have read my book because I do have a chapter called Life is Like Photography We Develop from the Negative. Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that, while I really wish that that were not true, it is true. It is often the times when we think about those defining moments for us, when we think about those difficult times in our lives, those were the times that we grew the most. Mm -hmm. Those were the times that we made the shifts. When everything is going well, we're not so inspired to make changes, okay? And so, as you said before, you know, when nothing changes, nothing changes, right? And we are here in this dispensation in time to grow. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to grow, and therefore... You know, it does require, unfortunately, that the negative, what the seemingly unlovely, I call it, because I don't even like to call anything negative, but the seemingly unlovely situations that life presents us with are the ones that cause us to grow the most. Mm -hmm. So if you are having a lot of seemingly unlovely situations in sequence, you are growing. And like that butterfly that was a caterpillar, you can not get help sometimes. It is your to break out of the cocoon yourself. Because if you are cut out, if you are helped out, your wings get clipped and you're unable to fly. So there are times that we may feel, why is no one helping me? Because you are to break out of this yourself. This is yours. And as a mother, I will tell you that this is the most difficult thing to do is to watch someone go through their development process and not want to jump in there and save them but to watch them in love and support them and encourage them, but not jump in there and try and save them. That's not our job. So that's not our job. And that's true whether we're parents or whether we're partners in business. And relationship. Yeah, any relationship. And it's about the discernment. So being able to figure out, you know, where the boundaries could be And this is back to the conversations that we could be having. Yeah. And that particular skill, which is so necessary. So this is a fun conversation. I promise the difference between optimism and positivity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Based on what Michael said, Uh the belief system that we've got this um, 
push towards being positive at all times. Yeah. So what's your well, take on that? Okay. My take on that, and that, there is a big difference there. Uh, and I get that a lot because I am someone who challenges norms. And I do unconventional methods and I challenge things that I say are unhealthy for all of our existence. So those things can be perceived as negative. But people say, what? You're the queen of optimism, but you are exposing negativity. And so I say, well, there is a difference because optimism is a, to me, a way of life, but it is about changing the way you look at things. It doesn't mean ignoring the things. It means changing the way you look at things so that those things that you look at can change. But we see what's happening. We're not with our heads in a cloud of us optimists. We absolutely do. But we also are able to see the possibility in there. We're able to see the blessing in the situation. Being positive is just, you know, well, uh, you know, many times ignoring what is. That is not what an optimist does. An optimist changes the way they look at what is and what is changes. It is true. Our perspective matters. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that matters in the world, it's our perspective. And I've got a picture of two guys on a train looking out different windows. One of them seeing just bare rock and, and gloom and the other one seeing open plains and sunshine and they're on Correct. the same train. Same exact. Looking in different directions. Yeah. And what direction we look at something. You know, what direction do we choose? So the, the fun thing. All right. So you do a lot with speaking. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give a perspective. Here's how the negative bias of the brain shows up because that's what we have. We're gonna notice the negative. We're supposed to. It's a survival thing. Back in the day of our caveman ancestor, we do have a common ancestor, Shelley. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. his name is Og. He lived a long time ago. Uh -huh. yeah. And the natural negative bias of his brain kept him alive yeah. because he only remembered the things that were bad. He had very limited memory capacity and it kept him from eating things that made him sick. The last time he ate them. Yeah. You know, things like that. Kept him away from shaking bushes because they couldn't afford curiosity. Curiosity really did kill the caveman. Yeah. Back then. You know, you get too close to a shaking bush, you become lunch. Yeah. So this was a fun thing. So when Og and this natural negative bias showed up, the train that I was riding with this thought has left. So just so you all know, it's not your imagination. I went off on a tangent and it left with me. Um, so give me back the last thing we were talking about. Okay, so we were talking about the difference between positivity and optimism. Yeah. And you were going to bring some... Uh, there we go. A, a different piece to it, yes. Yeah. You're going to notice what's not right. Correct. If you don't notice what's not right, you can't change it, you can't fix it. The difference between positivity and optimism is positivity is like a demand that says, even though it's not right, I'm going, I'm going to be happy. 
um, optimism is I can change this. One is forcing an emotion to change. The other is accepting the ability to affect change. Yeah, neither one of them, uh, and again, as you said, uh, this is the world according to Shelley, right? So lay it on me. For, for me, positive versus negative is not a mindset. Optimism is a mindset. And it is a choice mm -hmm. because, as I said, what is, is. So when you say, okay, you know, you see something, what is, well, I'm just going to uh, see that as positive. That, yes, can be seen as an optimistic decision. However, optimism is able to look at the is, mm -hmm. which may be negative. And can, with our own mind's eye, change the way we're looking at it and see the beauty in there. As I said, I've had many clients who've called me and said, you know, they lost their job. They were the sole breadwinner and they lost their job, something horrific. And I said, congratulations. What do you mean, congratulations? You know, this is horrible. No, because you didn't like that job. That was someone else's job. Now you get a chance to do, start that business that you wanted. You get a chance to do the things that you wanted, you, you wanted to do. I'm not going to should them because I know how you are about it. <laughs> See how I caught myself on the should. There'll be no shoulding on Jackie's show. So, uh, and, and so, you know, this gets you to that many times we are forced into situations, you know, and that's what optimism and having an optimistic mindset is able to do, that you can quickly look at a situation and say, wow, I'm going to search for the silver lining here because I know it's there. That's the belief system that serves people is when you come from the knowing that it's there the silver lining, the gift in the grief, yes. so you know something is there for you, even if you can't see it yet. It's the decision that you know something yes. is there for you. Yes. All right, well, I know that I opened a loop and haven't closed it yet, which is I promised we would talk about what you have as a gift for them. And before I can lose that train of thought, yes. yeah, 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 describe it, tell them. Okay. Well, what Everybody, I, I, this is this is like that moment on Oprah, and you get a call. Get a, okay, okay, so well, this is your moment, Shelley. Oh, there you go with the Oprah things again. Now the pressure's on. It's not a car, everybody, but it is uh, free chapters of my number one best-selling book, The Frustrated Believer: What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. So, in terms of what to do, you go to she rocks s-h-e-r-o-x dot me forward slash free gift and you are able to with a fun fun app read those chapters of the book which honestly lay the foundation you i'd love for you to buy the book but you don't have to because you get pretty much everything you need to know in those first three chapters 
So this is exciting. I cannot wait for you to get this. You all, I heard you, Jackie, that you have a goal of 100 million. And Neil, I forget, maybe it was a billion or whatever. Right. Well, mine... Yeah. My my mission is uh, I'm doing it in bite size, and so it's positively impacting one million people in 2020. All right, big very audacious goals. By giving by giving this gift, it will definitely help me to reach there. And you have helped me by sharing your beautiful, wonderful platform with these great people to also do the same. So thank you, Jackie. Oh, well, you are most, most welcome. And so in the chat box is yep. the link. Everybody can grab Shelly's free gift. And I highly recommend it because we all need some solid places to stand, especially when we're looking to change. Yeah. We need places to just know that we're not alone. Yes. So for all of you all, oh, and I've been remiss. For those of you that are in the VIP, you decided that you wanted to be and show up as a very inspiring person, know that Shelly's in that VIP group with you. So you'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to interact with her. That's one of the beautiful things about the community that we are creating. And make no mistake, people, we are creating a community. This is not a one and done. I can even give you the next dates that we're doing this again. Why? Because this is the conversation that is truly matters yes. on all levels. It's not sad and down. It is about the fact that suicide prevention is seriously fun. If you're having fun, you're pretty much suicide proof. So yeah. we're going to make this life as much fun as we can make it for you all and for everyone. So if you haven't been there, I have been remiss. Now, wait a minute. Zoom has new rules. For anybody on this call who is hosting meetings, this is the peek behind the curtains. If you want to give somebody a link in the chat box and you want them to be able to click on it, you absolutely must put that HTTP colon slash slash in front of it. That's right. Otherwise, it is not a clickable I, link. So here we go. This is, oh, by the way, the Teen Suicide Prevention Society is a nonprofit, okay? The IRS hasn't blessed it yet because the paperwork, nothing's getting pushed through Washington right now. But the nonprofit corporation's all set up and all of the proceeds from the VIP upgrades go to the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. And the way you get there, if you haven't already gone there, is to go to the TSP show, the suicide prevention show.org, O R G. And yeah, they've got the link for your gift in there as well. So both of those links are now down where you can see them. And here we go. And so, Michael, yeah, diversity of emotion. You're right. Michael, you are going to love this show because we are going to be on an emotional roller coaster and it's an intentional emotional roller coaster. We're talking about happiness. We're talking about optimism. We're going to go inside the brain and start working with how the brain really works because we need everything we can get to be able to reach the people who need to hear this because they don't know. You know, Shelly, we don't know that we need more help. And I'm a firm believer that we all need 
more help. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go with getting what we need so that we can give what others need. Yeah. There we go. That's going to be the new tagline. You come here to get what you need so that you can give what others need. Another, another chapter title in the Frustrated Believer, Give What You Need. Oh. I tell you, Becky. We yeah, well, that's the short the version. <laughs> give what you need. Yeah, I know. We are twins, aren't we? <laughs> we are. All right, so here's about being outrageous. Optimism is an outrageous emotion. Why? Because most of the people around you don't know what it feels like. So we're going to invite you into the feeling of optimism. We're going to invite you into the feeling of gratitude, optimistic gratitude. That's what the caveman's name is now going to mean in my brain. Og, optimistic gratitude. Awesome. So, <laughs> Shelly. Yes. Anything you wish that I had asked you? Oh, wow. Uh, I would say that if I wanted to leave anything with uh, the people, if you are going through anything right now and the queen of optimism could give you, you know, a tip, I would say to accept that Everything that happens is happening for you and not to you and for your good. It is a gift. And if we unwrap the gift, we can get the lesson and we can grow. Mm -hmm. So that's really how I would wrap this up is to recognize as no matter how unlovely it seems, and we're all collectively going through some unlovely, turbulent times right now. But I am confident that it is for our good. And we're going to grow from this and be better. There we go. We're going to grow from this and be better. All right. So, um, you know, dealing with what is kind of happens. Choosing to grow through it, not just go through it, Choosing to grow through the change. Yeah. Choosing to grow through the challenge. Choosing to grow through the joy and yeah. the optimism. Because we can use it all. We can use it all. Yeah. And that's the, that's the joy and the uh, optimistic output. What yeah. if you knew you could use it all? Yeah. The ups, the downs, the goods, the bads, the negatives, the positives, whatever language you're used to around life. Mm -hmm. But if you knew... You could use it all. So on that note, yes. everybody's going to get a chance to find out more about you by going to that website. And the website, once again, is SheRocks, S-H-E-R-O-X. Can't imagine where you came up with that, Roxanne. SheRocks.me forward slash free gift. And so there we go. And there it is. It's in the chat already. Woo! All right. So, thank you again, Shelly, for spending oh, time with gosh. us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I always love hanging out with you, Jen. I love hanging out with you, too, Shelly. Hang on, everybody. The ride gets more interesting from here. <laughs>